You're listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Gray. Join me as we cover topics about nutrition, health, and lifestyle so you can have ancestral health in a modern world. This episode is brought to you by Ancestral Elements Supplements. With the changing seasons and the gathering together around the holidays, make sure your immune system is built up and protected with the Bear Clover Tincture. It's now 30% off through the entire month of December, so if you're looking to keep you or your loved one's immunity protected this winter, check out the Bear Clover Tincture. Go to AncestralElements.com, navigate to the Supplements page where you can find more information on the Bear Clover Tincture. Now, here's the episode. Welcome back to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. This is episode 52. It's not just my health. Finding Ancestral Context. Being that Ancestral Elements Podcast turns one this week, I wanted to take a look back at the fundamental elements of nature that not only give us nutrition, but that gives our food nutrition. I wanted to make this episode a bit of a summary of the past year. I've been thinking a lot about why I started this podcast a year ago, and the messaging that I wanted to bring. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you'll know that one of the main principles that I try to continually lace through these episodes is the idea that we can look back to our past, back to our ancestry, in order to enhance our modern day lives, whether it's through certain lifestyle practices, nutrition, or community. Because really, there are certain things about this modern lifestyle that really take away from our biology, that at least take our attention away from our individual biology and especially individual needs. There are so many distractions that come along with this modern lifestyle that it's really easy to kind of forget that we have strict biological needs that we need to adhere to in order to remain healthy. And none of that is to say that we need to go back, you know, pre-Neolithic revolution or even industrial revolution to incorporate some of these ancestral principles back into our modern life. I mean, we all live a modern life if we're listening to this podcast. And so going back really isn't an option at this point. But understanding the value that some of these ancestral practices and principles can bring into our modern lives is important. And it's especially important when it comes to your nutritional health and your nutritional outlook on life. Because as I've talked about before, food and nutrition really has a lot to do with community, with one another, with socializing. It's not just about you. It has generational impact to it and social and community impacts to it. And if you take that one step further, if you look at kind of at a microscopic level what your body is doing, you're housing bacterial species and viral species and protist species and fungi species and archaea species in your gut microbiome, in your intestines. Even that is community. They take in all that nutritional information and make it available for your body to use. So if you really want to get kind of philosophical about this whole thing. You're also feeding a community of species that are housed on your skin, in your tissues, in your intestines. And all of that needs to be honored and respected in order for you to maintain health and longevity moving forward into the future. But unfortunately, a lot of our modern nutrition and health principles, these basic principles, miss those aspects. For example, I just posted on my Instagram a new research study 
that was done on CMC or on food labels, what you'll see as cellulose gum or added dietary fiber. It's basically a cellulose derivative. So it's a derivative of plant fibers, wood products. So cellulose is the sugars that make up wood or a woody-like substance. So it's basically a, just a byproduct of industrialized plant processing. It's a white crystalline powder that's added to food agents and household products like toothpaste in order to gel it up to kind of solidify it and keep it shelf stable, kind of emulsifies waxy fats and things like that in a lot of plant-based products especially, or low-fat products, keeps things homogenized kind of together. It turns out what this agent does is it disrupts the communication in the gut microbiome, the communication between your bacteria species and viral species and fungi species and protist species and everything that makes up your gut microbiome. It dysregulates the communication between all of those. And what that does is it disrupts your metabolism, basically enables nutrients not to be digested well. So it's these industrial types of agents, these very modern techniques that are often added into an industrial food process that really do go against these basic principles that I'm talking about and that I've been talking about for the last year. It's these types of things, whether it's intentional or not, and I think it's a mixture probably of both, depending on what you're talking about, that is not beneficial to us as a human species and especially not beneficial to the individual. And the more you engage with those types of modern processes, the more damaging it is for your nutritional status and for future nutritional status, meaning generations down the line, which is a problem because we're getting sicker as a human species. And that's never happened before in human history. And it's because of these types of things that our health becomes more degraded as the generations go by. And it all kind of seems innocuous, right? You don't think of cellulose gum or added dietary fiber that you see on a nutrition label as bad, as disruptive to your nutrition. It's supposed to be a positive thing, but yet in practice, when it's integrated into your biology, into this complex system that makes you you, it's disruptive. And a lot of times when these get looked at, they'll look at number of bacterial species in the gut microbiome. They'll test these agents, and if it doesn't kill anything off, then they'll slap a label on them saying that they're relatively safe because they didn't kill anything. But when you're blocking signals, when you're blocking messaging between the bacterial species or any other species that, that are housed in your gut, it's going to disrupt your overall metabolism, and it's not going to bode well for your nutritional status. And unfortunately, that's kind of the price you pay when you do business with industry. Anytime you buy ultra-industrialized food product. You're doing business with that industry, meaning you're doing business with this modern, ultra-profitable industry that's there to make money. That's what industries are there to do. They have an obligation to make money, an obligation if they're a publicly traded company to their shareholders to turn a profit. And so they take these cheap byproducts of industrialization, and if it's not too damaging, at least on an initial level, then they'll add them to food products because they're cheap, they're effective, and it's easier to turn a profit that way than developing super complex strategies for keeping things shelf-stable. Because there are natural ways to keep things shelf-stable that don't disrupt the microbiome, but it's expensive and they don't 
frankly work as well. And people don't really want to pay $15 for a box of crackers. You see what I'm getting at? So these cheap kind of ultra industrialized processed foods take up a certain part of the food industry of this global industrialized food market that we're all a part of. So anytime you're engaging with that type of product, when you're buying it, you're engaging with an industry that's centered around financial incentives and global economies, not around your health. And that's really the distinction to make. And that's where some of these ancestral practices of harvesting your own food start to come into play a little bit. If you can go out and pick blackberries or dandelion greens or stinging nettle or gather up acorns or chicory root or wood sorrel, you start to get away from some of those products a little bit. And you start to understand that there's food all around you. That type of food requires its own processing, but it's not processing of industrial products. It might require fermenting or cooking or leaching, but it's not some industrialized mechanized process. And it takes you out of that world a little bit, out of the mass economics of it all. And it puts you back in line with what your ancestors engaged with and did on a daily basis. And all of this nutrition-related information and products and industry, it's confusing. I was thinking back to why I got into nutrition to begin with, why I got a degree in it, why I've studied various forms of nutritional genomics. And what I've come to realize is it was to really give people context around the study of human nutrition. If I can point to a single factor where things start to kind of fall apart when it comes to the study of nutrition, it's the lack of context. Going through the nutrition program, I continually had a feeling that the information I was receiving somehow didn't add up. It was almost like I was thrown into the middle of a movie where I was trying to figure out the plot line, but there was no context. What I was learning didn't really have the impact it should because what I was being taught had no context or structure to it, meaning it had no ancestral impact. It had no ancestral reference to any of it. And it's exactly why the rest of the population doesn't value nutrition or food and why it's so confusing and why it's such a mystery to everybody. People are lacking real-world context with food, and largely it has to do with this type of global industrialization. We are divorced from food now. We're divorced from the process of it, and even more so, we're divorced from cooking it even. We get it delivered to our doors. I published a blog post this week titled Redefining Nutrition. And in it, I talked about how even the very definitions, dictionary definitions of nutrition and food do nothing to explain what those things are. And I'm going to give you the definitions and then give you some actual contextual definitions that I've come up with. So the definition of food given by the Oxford Dictionary is any nutritious substance that people or animals eat or drink or that plants absorb in order to maintain life and growth, which tells you nothing about what food actually is. It goes right into a nutritious substance. So let me give you the definition of nutrition, and maybe that'll clear it up. So the Oxford definition of nutrition is the process of providing or obtaining the necessary food for health and growth. Both of these definitions kind of reiterate one another, 
but they do nothing to tell you what they're actually talking about. You're just kind of going around in circles. So really, in order to put context back into food and nutrition, we have to actually redefine the basic definitions of both of them. If you guys are long listeners to this podcast, you'll know my definition of food, and you'll know that I always integrate five kingdoms into dietary plans and eating habits. Because the five kingdoms of life that we eat from are animal, plant, fungi, bacteria, and protist. Of those five kingdoms, different species evolve, and we eat parts of those species. So the new definition of food should be parts of species that are contained within the five kingdoms. And the new definition of nutrition should be complex ecology coming together as a manifestation of objects that we can integrate into our biology, because that's what nutrition is. You need to integrate things into your biology, whether it's through eating and swallowing or absorbing. If you really paid attention to the first definition of food, it said that plants absorb things to maintain life and growth. But as humans, we absorb nutrients to maintain life and growth. Think about sunlight. The UVB that we absorb converts to vitamin D, which controls hormone regulation. Vitamin D is a hormone, and it can control up to 5% of our total genome. That's massive. You look at firelight, whether it's a candle or a fire pit in your backyard, you're absorbing infrared light at 650 to 850 nanometers, and it's shaping your hormone balance. You're reducing cortisol, elevating melatonin, preparing your circadian rhythms for sleep. That's absorbing nutrition. Think about an Epsom salt bath. You're absorbing magnesium through your skin. Humans absorb nutrition. So these basic definitions are incomplete, to say the least. They don't provide you any real-world context for what food and nutrition is. And so if you're basing the study of human nutrition off of these foundations, off of these basic definitions, you're already at a loss. It starts to put you at a reductionist mindset. And then you move on to things like calories, and you really start to kind of lose people. It's easy for us with this modern outlook of food to reduce it down to reductionist thinking, to individual food items, for example. Often calories kind of take the main conceptual identity of nutrition. So calories in, calories out, make sure you get 2,500 calories per day. But it's the raw elements of nature, or what I personally classify into five elements following traditional Chinese medicine theory. These elements provide the raw material or the nutrients, the nourishment to the species that we eat, so to our food. So without sun, water, minerals, our food would not be nutritious. Think about growing plants. If you didn't water them, and if they didn't get sunlight, they would die. They wouldn't be nutritious. Therefore, the animals, the herbivores eating those plants, would become malnourished. If we ate those animals, we would become malnourished. Or if we ate those plants, we would be malnourished. I posted another Instagram post about carrots, and it was something like, don't be fooled into thinking a carrot has 25 calories, 6 grams of carbohydrates, a couple grams of fiber, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of protein, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin K, potassium, iron. Yeah, a carrot can have those things, but a carrot only has those things if it's grown in nutrient-rich environments. 
A carrot is a reflection of its genetic expression and environment. You can only reach your genetic potential when your environment is conducive to do so. So therefore, food that we consume is really the end product of nutrition. It's what's synthesized into nutrition. It's the object that we can eat or drink that contains the actual nutrients. How we get those nutrients is through elements, is through the environment, is through ecology. So food being parts of species contained within the five kingdoms is a pretty concrete definition if you understand what those terms are really getting at. How you have good ecology, how you have strong kingdoms of life, the five kingdoms of life we eat from, is through having a good, rich environment to feed those kingdoms. So you have to have good, adequate supply of the five elements, which are fire, water, wood, metal, and earth. The very elements that I talked about in the first five episodes of this podcast a year ago supply your food with its nutrition and really enable you as an individual to then meet your genetic potential. Because if you're eating malnourished food, you're going to be malnourished, undernourished, and you're not going to be able to meet your genetic potential. Because what you're doing then is starving your microbiome, starving the species that make up your microbiome to where they can't break down and metabolize nutrients. You can't get the metabolites into your cells, into your tissues to rebuild and replenish your body. So the five basic elements give rise to the five kingdoms of life. Those kingdoms create genetically distinct species, which is diversity, in which we eat parts of those species. So their genetics. That's where the microbiota meets our genetics. And without a healthy gut and digestive system, nutrients can't be utilized. They can't be integrated into our bodies. And that's going to negatively impact your genes. I mean, to put it another way, in order to really honor the species that you're eating is to make sure your body is actually using it. If you're not metabolically healthy, if you have something like type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance or obesity, you're going to be metabolically unhealthy. Your body is not going to be utilizing those nutrients for adequate breakdown, meaning your body's not absorbing and extracting every last bit of nutrition that you're getting from your food. And really, that's kind of doing that species, that food item, a bit of a disservice. We all eat life. You want to make sure you can extract everything from that life so you can give yourself life and give future generations life. That's what this world is all about. So really, it starts with being metabolically healthy and changing things if you are metabolically unwell to become metabolically well. And that's really what nutrition is about. It's about regaining these types of relationships with food and environment and nutrients. But if you just think that food is calories, then you're missing all of this context, all of this rich ancestral context that you could really, I think, anchor in why nutrition is important. Because if you approach food just from a calorie kind of measurement mentality, it's like measuring the weather in Fahrenheit and you thinking that Fahrenheit is the only way to measure the weather, right? Fahrenheit is a temperature measurement. You living in North America, measuring Fahrenheit your whole life, and then going to Europe 
and realizing, oh, they measure in Celsius. That's a paradigm shift. It's a different way to measure temperature. But measuring temperature doesn't do anything to tell you about what the weather is doing outside. So you could have a temperature reading of 65 degrees Fahrenheit, and it could be bright and sunny. Or you could have a temperature reading of 65 degrees Fahrenheit, and there could be thunder and lightning storms, and it'd be dumping down rain. Very different weather, but yet the same temperature. Calories are exactly the same as that. You could have 150 calories of the most nutrient-dense food that there is, or you could have 150 calories of the least nutrient-dense food that there is, but get the same calories. And that metabolic breakdown will be vastly different. One will feed your biology, the other one will take away. So this idea of calories kind of dominating this theme of human nutrition is pretty misguided. And it leads to prominent nutrition figures saying things like, oh, it's all about calories in and calories out. Calories are the only thing that matters. And it's this lack of context in the education of quote-unquote experts that are receiving instruction in human nutrition that's the issue. Because people that are teaching human nutrition to future experts in nutrition have been given kind of the same ideology, the same kind of uncontextual instruction that they're just passing on. So when I talk about going into a nutrition program and it's like being thrown into the middle of a movie with no context, that's what I'm talking about. It took me a long time to realize, oh, I'm missing ancestral context to this. That's why none of this really is gripping. It doesn't make any sense. There isn't anything to put real world value on when we're just talking about these mechanistic, kind of data-driven reductionist principles in nutrition. That's boring. No wonder nobody's interested. No one cares. Why would you? I don't even care. And it's confusing. It doesn't make any real world sense because it's not built in the real world. I'll say that again. It doesn't make any real world sense because it's not built in the real world. It's built in laboratories. And just like laboratory synthesized food doesn't give you adequate real nutrition, synthesized laboratory reductionist ideas don't give you real world result. It's some type of weird analog. In order to really care about nutrition, it's got to be based in reality. It's got to be anchored into the very elements that are tangible to us, that we can sense, that we can feel, that feed our biology, that feed our bodies. That's what nutrition should be based in. So if you ever get confused about calories or going on a particular diet, what you need to continually remind yourself is the food that you're eating needs to be developed in an environment that feeds its own nutrition and that's therefore going to feed you. And by feeding yourself and keeping yourself healthy, keeping your digestion regulated, it's going to feed your genetics. And if you choose to have kids, it's going to give them a robust genetic makeup and keep them healthy. Your health has never been about you. It never will be just about you. That's a part of it, but it's just the beginning of the story. All species want to do is procreate. That's it. We are biologically designed to procreate, but you only can do that. You can only reproduce when you're genetically and metabolically healthy. But really, that starts with the elements. It starts with the five kingdoms of food. That's how you get there. That should, in the very least, be your kind of base foundational thinking. It should be rooted in this type of thinking, in this five elements give rise to five kingdoms 
which give rise to species diversity, which we eat. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, but yet very complex if you get nuanced with it. You know, so these current definitions that we use to try to describe food and nutrition, there's no meat, there's no heft, there's no weight, there's no context. And if there's no context, no one cares. No one wants to watch a movie starting in the middle to try to figure out a plot line. You get some weird ideas if that's the case. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the field of nutrition. It's crap science. It really is. I mean, I'm educated as a food scientist. I know how this shit works, and it's it doesn't work well. It really doesn't. And really, ultimately, it's because of the lack of context, you know, and that stuff's just being pumped out. But really, there's no need to be confused about food and about nutrition and your diet if you just realize, okay, there are five kingdoms of life that have hundreds of thousands of species in each, and I eat from those five kingdoms at a broad range of species, then I'm going to have good nutrition. If I can eat farm-grown and wild foods, I'll have even better nutrition because they've been honed and shaped by their environment, just as you are honed and shaped by your environment. We're all living on the same planet, and we're all just trying to meet our genetic potential based on the environment that we're in. And the environment that you're in is going to shape and change your genetic potential. So really, it's about optimization. It's about taking back your health. It's about reclaiming your health in a modern world that is void of ancestral context. And it's about having a toolkit and an understanding that you can go back into some ancestral ways and practices to reclaim your health in a modern world. That's what I've been trying to do this past year on, on this podcast, and I hope you've taken some lessons from that. And I've been vague on purpose. It gives the listener the chance to integrate it into their own life and to integrate it into their own thinking when they're thinking about these kind of vague topics, because it's going to be different for everybody. Nobody's nutrition should be exactly the same. There are some basic guidelines, and the basic guidelines should be eating from five kingdoms of life, getting diversity within those kingdoms, and spending time out in ecology, out on the landscape. I mean, that's how you achieve biological health. Beyond that, it's up to you. I mean, do what feels good to you at the end of the day. I mean, that's all you can do. And nobody can tell you the exact thing to do with your health. Nobody. Because nobody knows. Nobody's in your body. But the more you integrate species and elements into your life, the more you pay attention to how they make you feel on a daily basis, the more information you're going to be collecting about your body. Because once you start tuning into those types of feelings, whether it's energetic feelings or tired feelings or feelings of depression, what, however they manifest, you can start to tweak and adjust. But if you're just basing everything off of calories and kind of weird reductionist ideas, it's really hard to kind of know where it's all coming from and where it's all going. But if you continually just get back to, okay, maybe I'm not eating enough species diversity, or I haven't eaten from the produce kingdom in six months, or I'm eating far too many of the same plants that are domestically grown, you'll have a baseline. You'll have an anchor point to get you back on the right track. And you don't have to be perfect with this stuff because your body's resilient. And if you fall off, if you get a little wayward with your nutrition, then you can get back on course. You can course correct at any point in your life, whether you're 8 or 80. It doesn't really matter. You can always improve. And that's all that anybody can ask, is that you're improving and that you know why you're improving and have 
real-world examples that are integrated in with ecology that back up your improvement. Because trusting any expert, if they're just relying on kind of weird laboratory values that are done in a very contained environment, in an artificial environment, it doesn't tell you all that much. All it tells you is that they were able to pull that information out of that environment. It doesn't mean it's going to integrate well into a complex ecology that we're all a part of. Base your nutrition in complex ecology, and you're going to be far better off. I guarantee you that. And I don't mean to kind of over-romanticize any of this. And I don't mean to suggest that there is no need for kind of modern technologies to keep things balanced out. Because there oftentimes is. There are times you're going to need to turn to medications or modern pharmaceuticals to keep your body going. But what I am saying is that if you base your lifestyle and your eating habits in these types of principles, even if you do have to turn to pharmaceuticals and different medications, they're going to be less drastic to your overall physiology. They're going to be less drastic to your gut microbiome, to your genetics, to all of it, because you'll have decent baseline nutrition. But sometimes decent baseline nutrition isn't enough for this modern world that we're in. Sometimes genetics are just kind of pushed to the limit, if you will. Sometimes you get a bad deal, you know? And in that regard, this kind of ultra novelty of medications and different therapeutics can be useful. But it's more useful when you approach it with an ancestral context on top of it. And oftentimes, you won't have to turn to those things either as quickly or at all. And in the best case scenario, you'll be able to get off of those things. You know, things like type 2 diabetes that is becoming a rampant epidemic in the United States. What I'm talking about gets you off of insulin, fixes insulin resistance, heals you metabolically. That's what this type of thing offers. But it can't be just handed to you. You've got to be able to th think through these broad, vague concepts and integrate them the way you want to integrate them into your own life, the way they're best going to serve you. You know, nutritionists and dietitians and PhDs, whoever is helping you with nutrition that you reach out to, should be able to point you in the right direction, but not give you every single answer. If they're giving you every single answer and spoon feeding you everything, then you're not going to learn anything, and you're not going to have the longevity to continue when they're not there. And you see that a lot, whether it's diets that are put out by nutritionists or, you know, even dietary recommendations. There's massive context that isn't there, that people aren't thinking about, that the individual looking at those things most likely isn't thinking about. Frame your nutrition and eating habits in complex environmental ecology, and you're going to have a foundation to then build your own dietary patterns and guidelines off of. I mean, that's what I've done in my own life. I've spent over a decade thinking about this stuff, sitting in a nutrition program frustrated, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Why are we talking about calories like they're God? You know, why are we looking at these kind of weird reductionist ideas so much. I mean, there's value in those things, don't get me wrong. But unless you have the context surrounding those reductionist ideas, it doesn't make any sense. Don't miss out on your context. Don't miss out on the ancestral context that's been already given to you. And 
God, by all means, apply it. Like, actually apply it. Grow some vegetables if you can. If you ever have windowsill in an apartment, grow some basil or rosemary or thyme or oregano. If you have a backyard, put some vegetable boxes in. Do some raised beds and grow some lettuce and carrots and tomato. Like, actually apply what I'm talking about. And the more you do that, when you get your hands actually dirty, it's going to be better nutrition for you. And it's going to give you actual applicable life skills and lessons. That's how you integrate nutrition into your biology, into yourself, into your family. It's really hard to try to integrate nutritional lessons to a young kid or anybody else for that matter when they don't really understand the true value of food. When they don't have contextual information, they're not going to value it. That's why people don't value nutrition. That's why people continually eat the way they eat because the process is truncated. It's cleaved off and we no longer engage in the process because it's taken care of for us. We can just pay money. We can put money into an industrialized system that takes the sovereignty out of it. It takes the humanity out of it. You don't see it anymore. It's just packaged up in a nice cellophane package that you can go and buy, whether that's tomatoes or beef. You know, it's all that way. So the more that you can do yourself, really the better off you're going to be. And Ultimately, the more you're going to learn real world, real life principles about nutrition, about food. You know, most nutritionists don't know anything about farming practices, growing crops or raising livestock, animal husbandry, replenishing the soils. They don't know anything about that. I mean, they may know kind of very, very basic concepts, but unless you've done it, unless you've worked the soil, you're not going to know anything about it. Not really. It's just theory. Or worse yet, you won't value any of those things because you know nothing about them. And that's kind of really where we are as a society. We've stopped valuing these types of things, these basic fundamental things. You know, if you don't know anything about it, if you've never done them, if you've never experienced them, if you've never been with anybody who's done them, you're not going to value them. You're not going to know that there's even value there to be gained. You know, which leads us right back into these kind of weird reductionist ideas about lab-grown meat and plant-based products, you know, with all these industrialized fillers and agents that really disrupt our biology. These things are quite disruptive to our biology. That's been looked at time and time again, and is proven true time and time again. But it's the lack of context that gets us there, and therefore it's the ancestral context that gets us out of it. This is our way out. This is your way to a healthier life. And it's your choice to make. I mean, I'm certainly not going to choose for you. I've clearly made my choice, and I'm going to have to live with whatever consequences come as a result of it. And I'm fine with that, just as you are. But really, all I can confidently say at the end of the day is most of these kind of industrialized agents that are a product of some type of industrialized process whether it's CMC or aluminum oxide or a whole onslaught of other things, they're not going to bring you health. And they're certainly not going to restore your health. That insulin you're taking might be great for you and your type 2 diabetes. It keeps it under control, absolutely. But it's not going to be good for your kids or your grandkids. It's definitely not going to set up their genetics for success. And it's definitely not going to give you the skills or the wisdom to teach them the ways on how to get out of some potentially bad genetics that you've passed on. And that's really what it's about. It's about passing on wisdom and knowledge. But you don't gain wisdom and knowledge 
if you have other people do everything for you, if you pay for everything, if you pay for all of your food, if you don't know how to get any type of food off of your landscape, you're paying for every single thing that you eat and put on your body. That doesn't give you skills, and it doesn't enable you to have the ability to pass on any wisdom to future generations that are going to need it, because their health is getting worse. We're not getting healthier. The generation that's being born at this very moment is sicker than the previous generation. They're going to have to face way more things. More autoimmune, more chronic diabetes, more obesity, more cancer. These things are starting to stack up generationally. And if you really want to set yourself up and your family up for the future, you're going to have to know how to go back to some of the basics. Some of the basics that have made us human from the very beginning, that have fed our biology. They've not only given us health, but they've sustained our health and given us knowledge and true wisdom. You know, I'm all for supporting local ranchers and farmers that are doing a great job. It's important, but you should also know how to grow vegetables and take care of animals. At the very least, you should see the entire process of seed to harvest or of livestock rearing to butcher or take part in hunting, fishing, and foraging where you can go out on a landscape, get some wild plants, get some wild protein process that stuff for eating, and then cook it. These are natural processes that are really crucial for human development, not just nutrition. They're crucial for passing down knowledge and skill sets. And as an added bonus, you're out on the environment, you're integrating ecology, and you're getting good, clean, robust genetics through different species and integrating those into your own body. That's a very, very different type of thing than going and buying food at the store. I'm not saying you have to do it with every meal, but you should at least have the skill set and the ability to go out and do it if you choose to do it. Everybody should know how to plant a tomato and to grow it. Everybody should know how to break down an animal. You know, these are essential human skills that provide you with real wisdom, tangible life experience. That's what anchors in nutrition. Without it, we're all just kind of floating, you know, floating in these reductionist principles that don't provide a foundation for you to land on when you actually need it. When your health goes awry, you have nothing to go back to except calories in, calories out. Manage my micro and my macronutrients. Oh, maybe I've overeaten protein. Maybe that's why I'm sick and unhealthy. Well, maybe, but maybe not, and you'll never know. So find the context. Find your own context in nutrition. Find the context in ecology, in food, and nutrition. Use my definitions of food and nutrition if you get confused. Remember, food is species that is contained in the five kingdoms of life. Nutrition is complex ecology coming together as a manifestation in objects that we can integrate into our biology. Use those. Think about them. Think about how to integrate those two definitions into your own life, into your daily practices surrounding food and nutrition. And if they don't mean anything to you, that's okay too. At least you've thought about it. The thing here is thinking a little bit deeper, going just a little bit below the surface to pull out actual lessons on why you're eating and participating in the foods and food system that you're participating in. Have you thought about it? Do you know why you're doing it? And if so, why are you doing it? There's got to be a reason. And if you're just kind of going with the status quo and you 
have never thought about it, then that's okay too. Now's the time to think about it. You know, the majority of people, at least in Western developed countries, aren't thinking about food very seriously because it's handed to them. It's cheap. The process is done for them. There's nothing to integrate. You know, it's a mindless act, which leads to mindless eating and poor nutrition. So really, at the end of the day, if you can think about this just a little bit deeper and apply your own lifestyle practices and your own skill set to what I'm talking about and the concepts I've covered in this past year, then that's amazing. And that's all I can really ask and hope for. You know, and if you need guidance, that's okay too. I mean, I've been steeped in this stuff for, like I said, over a decade. I've been really seriously thinking about this and doing things like fishing and hunting and planting vegetables. I mean, actually doing things. And it's still tough. You know, I'm not perfect. Definitely not. And it's ever evolving. And it should be. But this gives you a starting point. It gives you the context that you're going to need to move forward. And it gives you a little bit of a path to go back to if you get off track, which we all do and we all will. So I think that's going to do it for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. It's been really an honor to do this this past year. Um, I hope you have taken some lessons. Uh, we've covered a lot. You know, I've jumped kind of all over the place and purposefully. But really, the teaching is pretty simple. It goes back to the basic five elements that feed the five kingdoms of life that you eat from, that feed you, and your genetics. So, as always, eat from the five kingdoms, get outside, and enjoy your holidays with family and friends. I'll talk to you guys this next week. Thank you for listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, leave me a rating and review. This will ensure that people can find the podcast so that we can grow the audience, and it will help me secure guests for future episodes. If you have suggestions on what you want to hear on upcoming episodes, go to AncestralElements.com and leave me a comment. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts and inputs and answer any questions that you may have.